How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Not Denny Long. John Hines in for Denny Long. However, the, 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 the expert that we need is still very much here. Uh, and she is Teresa Rooney, uh, among other things, the author of the uh, Guide to Humane Critter Control. She is also um, with the uh, a certified horticulturalist. Teresa, make sure I get this, this correct here. With the University of Minnesota Extension, um, the, the Hennepin County, just you I'm, know I'm it all. A... You, you grow it all. <laughs> John, it's it's wonderful to talk to you. I'm a certified Hennepin County Master Gardener. There you go. So, so Master Gardeners are volunteers who are trained by the university in horticultural information, and we go out back to our communities and we share that information and help people with their lawns and their gardens and their trees and their shrubs and insects and birds and all kinds of things. So and that's what Master Gardeners do. That's what master gardeners do. And, and, and yeah. gardening is still, I think, one of the number one leisure time activities that's out there, I believe. It, it certainly is. And, and gardening and bird watching are right up there one and two all the time. And it, we garden 365 days here in Minnesota, even though it's, you know, zero degrees and we're going to get snow on Monday. We're still <laughs> yeah. gardening. People are still gardening or thinking of gardening. I thought about this earlier, uh, Teresa, chatting with Teresa Rooney here, when I was uh, getting ready to, to, to billboard this. But um, even if you're not, I mean, the, the ground right now is, is uh, I said, harder than the icicles on the uh, eaves of your roof. Um, <laughs> but, but, but with that, uh, people are still planning. If they're not gardening right now, they're planning for their gardens. Uh, that's, that's, what kind of yep. what kind of planning is going on? John, you're extremely right about that. Um, this is the perfect time now to take a look outside, or tomorrow when it's a little warmer, to actually walk through your garden and maybe look at where the bunny tracks are or the deer tracks. So you get a good idea of what kind of critters you're seeing in your yard and protect your plants that are out there. But then also just stay inside and look out your windows and think about what you're seeing right now. Um, are you only seeing flat ground or do you have some nice hardscape maybe you want to add to next year? Maybe put in an arbor or a seating area or a fire pit 
And then also think about in this in the summertime when you look out your your windows. Are you seeing a pretty garden? Would you like to have a garden there as you sit and watch TV? You could glance out the window and see a garden, or as you're doing the dishes, you could glance out the window and see your veggie or herb garden. Now is a great time to start thinking about what could I plant? And the university has an extension website, extension.umn.edu, and they have some great ideas about plants that you might want to start about thinking to add to your garden. And uh, Master Gardeners do seed trials every year, so they test a bunch of different kinds of seeds, and they can give you really good feedback, some new varieties, some old varieties that are really good. So there's all kinds of information. And what would you like to put in a tree? Would you like to put in a shrub? Maybe some annuals. So, yep, we're all thinking about it. We're paging through seed catalogs, just dreaming of the warmth and the getting our hands in the soil again. All right. Very good. Hey, we, I, of course, we're, we're open for questions via yes. phone calls or texts here at 651-461-9226. Talk and text the same line. Let's talk about this. Uh, Gary's in St. Louis Park. And Gary, uh, first one through with a question, chatting with Teresa Rooney, uh, our certified uh, master gardener here. Uh, Gary, what's your question this morning? Hi, good morning, John. Good morning, Teresa. Um, Teresa, I have a, a cyclamen, and it has gone into dormancy, as I, I believe they are prone to do this time of the year. Mm-hmm. My question is, I, I've put it in a nice, cool, dark place now so it can have a nice snooze. Should I be watering that occasionally just to keep the, the soil damp around it? Um, and yeah, when can... should I get serious about watering it again when it starts to wake up? Gary, that's a really good question. Thanks for asking it. Um, the cyclamens do tend to become dormant at times, so then you can let them give a, give them a little rest. Um, do water them occasionally. You don't want the soil too wet because now that they're dormant and they're in a cool space, that moisture is not going to evaporate as quickly. The plant's not actively using it, so be careful not to overwater it. And then, you know, give them maybe two or three months rest or whatever you want, and then bring them out again. Let them see the, the light and the heat in the, in the house. And as they start to grow, then you, then you can start adding this, the, uh, the, the moisture level back up to what you're doing. And you can always check the extension website to get some more information. Good question, Gary. Wow, that's what we, we, we thrive on, good questions. Here's an interesting comment slash question. Uh, this from Jill. She was at the Como Park Conservatory a, a short while ago, discovered a plant called a paper bush, Teresa. She's wondering if you could tell her more about it. She doesn't think it would last outside in the Minnesota uh, seasons, but wondering if anybody sells it for indoors, a potted plant. Um, Jill, that's a good question. I've... I'm not sure what the paper bush is. It it would be not hardy here. I know that for sure. And you probably could find it online. I would probably just Google paper bush and see if something matches. And then once you get that information, look at the Latin name and then find out information about the Latin name. Um, that will give you the zoning. And you'll be able to find it probably somewhere online where you could grow it as a house plant, move it out in the summertime then grow it back in again in the um, in the fall move it probably somewhere online where you could grow it as a house plant move it out in the summertime then grow it back in again in the um, in the fall move it back in in the fall 
Say, I want to mention this because you mentioned, you know, as you're outside, maybe on a somewhat warmer day like tomorrow, checking where the the bunny tracks are, the deer tracks Mm -hmm. might be in your yard. And I know that you are very big on humane critter control. Um, There's no reason we can't be planning for that kind of critter control uh, even now while things are, are, are dormant or not growing. Right, Teresa? That's correct. That's correct. So if you know you have tulips coming up in the spring, then just and you haven't fenced them off and you have rabbits, uh, just as soon as that that snow has melted enough where you can get some fencing out there around those tulips, you can put up chicken wire. It's not the most beautiful thing in the world, but you can think, well, I could have this not attractive chicken wire and my beautiful tulips or I could have, you know, just stems with green leaves and no tulips up top. Um, so, so that's kind of your choice in these situations. You can also start thinking there's, uh, there's repellents that just smell bad, um, and so they may keep the, squirrel, the rabbits away, so you could use those too. So there's a lot of different things you can do. But I've noticed, even looking online as I, as I kind of fantasize different gardening things, and I look, and I see that people have things fenced in, and pretty soon I don't even see those things that are fenced in. I just see the beauty of the plants. So the, you just kind of watch, your eyes go past the fencing. Okay. Yes, but Very you can good. be thinking about how to protect things now. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, let's do this this before we get to the break. Here's a text uh, at 651-461-9226. Let's uh, take a look at this. I have an amaryllis that is done blooming. Should I be giving it as much sunlight as possible now uh, and throughout the summer months? And should I be giving it some, uh, let's see here, some water also? Thank you. That's the uh, the question. Good. Good question. Yes, so let your amaryllis, um, let the leaves die back. Keep it in the full sun. Give it as much sun as you can. Once the leaves start to die back, if they do, then you can let it go a little dormant. Do keep watering it. If it sends up new flowers or anything right now, which it won't, then you can fertilize it. But then once summer comes, once it's warm enough, you can bring it out in its pot and set it outside. Let the leaves come back. And the more leaves it has, the more photosynthesizing it has, the better flower show you'll get next year. All right. Teresa Rooney, my guest, you hear her on Smart Gardens on Saturday here. Always, uh, most often with Danny Long, John Hines filling in today and glad to have this chance. Because I guess I'm not as much of a gardener. doing a great job, John. Well, thank you. I'm not as much of a gardener as I once was, um, but I still enjoy learning and listening uh, and also enjoy uh, uh, looking at. So we've got some more questions coming in via text. Teresa, we'll get to some of those and phone calls, too, at 651-461-9226. We'll take this time out now. News Talk 830-WCCO. Good morning once again. John Hines in for Denny Long. Lots of questions coming via text uh, at 95 or 651. Sorry, 651 461 9226. I repotted my Hoya, uh, Teresa. This is from a listener, not me. I repotted my Hoya <laughs> vine two years ago or two days ago. Two days ago. I just read what's written, Hines, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Uh, two days ago in regular potting mix. And now I've learned that I, it needs different soil. Will I kill it 
if I repot it again, repotted it originally because it was looking, uh, it was looking not good. So, what's no, the story? go ahead and re- go ahead and repot that hoya up again. Um, just disturb the roots as little as possible. Put it in the correct soil. That's usually a little lighter soil, and make sure it gets as much light as possible. Um, they're very usually very slow growing. Uh, don't start do water it as you have been in your in your old pot. They don't need a lot of water, but they do need a lot of bright sun and and water. And then just don't fertilize it until it starts to actively be growing again. Okay. So that'll be like two or three months at least down the road. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I have an amaryllis uh, down blooming. Oh wait, that's. I think we did that already. No. Yep. Did we? I want to make sure I'm getting that. Okay. We did. Um, mm-hmm. We did. All right. Can you please talk about amaryllis bulbs? Uh, what's the best way to treat the bulbs in the summer so as to have strong flowers the following year? I have several uh, bulbs that I put in my garden and fertilize them only to find weak flowers and stalks being produced now. Uh, so the, uh, just that question there, Teresa. Sure. Um, what you might want to do instead of putting them in the garden is put them in big pots or nice-sized pots that you can then, and they do need a lot of sun. So the more sun, the more photosynthesizing they can do. And as they're actively growing this in the summer, you can feed them. Um, but give them as much bright light as you can. It could be maybe the soil, maybe they're just not getting as much sun as possible. Okay. Um, this question, Teresa, chatting with Teresa Rooney, master gardener here. Can I wait to cut back my rhododendron until it, after it's done blooming? Uh, what's the answer? That is an excellent question because now is the perfect time to be pruning your trees and shrubs except for those shrubs and trees that bloom in the early spring like rhododendrons and lilacs and mock oranges and magnolias all of the and azaleas all of those plants already have their buds set so you could prune them but you would be cutting off the flowers so wait until just after they flower you know you have about a 3 week window go ahead and and prune to your heart's content after that time, and then they'll start setting their buds for next year. But that's right. an excellent question. Don't prune your roadies now. Don't prune your roadies now. I jot that down. <laughs> Something you don't hear often on the radio. Don't prune no, the roadies no, now. No, you don't. And I'm glad that I, I, I had this opportunity to be here when it was when it was first said. Uh, here's a, a question: How do I know when it's time to repot a house plant? That's a good question. How do we know? That is Teresa? a good question. And so many people are growing houseplants. They, they're, they're surging back into style again. So you can tell if when you water, the water either goes right down the edge of the pot and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't really seem to water the, ball, the root ball, or if you just carefully lift the, pot, the plant out of the pot, you'll see the roots starting to circle around um, because they need more, they need more um, space. So at that time, you can gently put them in a, in a slightly bigger pot, just one size up. You don't want to go too big. And then just add fresh soil um, and then go ahead and give it good water. And once they start actively growing back again after you've repotted them, you can then fertilize them. It might be two to three months later. Or if you have a bigger pot, a big pot already, and you just can't go up another size, take the root ball out 
and actually cut a little bit around the sides. So maybe cut off an inch all the way around the sides. I know it sounds terrible. You're cutting all those roots off. I cut an inch or so off of the bottom and then add fresh soil back to the pot and put it back in the same pot. And you're just you're just doing a root pruning. It'll help keep the size of the plant down, so you don't have to have a 400 gallon pot sitting there <laughs> yeah. because that gets kind of large to move in the house. Well, that, yes, that's difficult just to move it in the first place. <laughs> so, I, and, and, I, yeah, exactly. I I have a friend who, who, you know, just decided, well, for better drainage, they would put, you know, these piles of rocks in the bottom of their pot. Yes. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. That's a good idea. But now somebody's got to move it for goodness sake. Somebody's got to move it. Yep. <laughs> so, you have to think of these things. There's, there's consequences to all of our actions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Say, um, every place I read, I read that Teresa Rooney is a uh, self-taught um, to to get to where you are today, I'm sure you also learned from from many many others. That's the best part about gardening because of the the camaraderie that goes with it. But um, did you ever make any major mistakes, like uh, costly mistakes, Teresa? Like oh, you bought something. Let me. Do you have three hours, John? Um, <laughs> I you know, um, master gardeners. I swear. Gardeners kill more plants than we grow, and and I'm the kind of gardener who, hey, I'll try something, and I really push it to the limit, and lots of plants are are not with me anymore, and things have changed, and I haven't caught things, but I have made so many mistakes, but I like to think of them not as mistakes, but learning opportunities. You know, <laughs> now I know I can't grow that plant because it's a swamp azalea for a reason, and it's not going to do well in my dry shade. It's just not because it's a swamp azalea. Uh, you know, things like that I, I learn or I you know, purchased a blueberry tree. Uh, no, that's a service berry. It's not a blueberry tree. So things I've learned how to think about it and just learn from. Yes, gardeners make tons of mistakes, and we we cry sometimes, and then we just have to go on and and do better next time. Pick it up and start over. All right, hey, let's pick do this. Up, pick- Pick the trowel back up and keep gardening. There you go. Uh, I'll meet you in the potting shed. Let's get exactly. to uh, uh, forecast details here and a couple of uh, uh, quick commercial timeouts and then more with Teresa Rooney. Uh, Smart Gardens on WCCO. And... We're with Teresa Rooney here talking some smart garden on WCCO. Teresa, thanks for sticking with me here. Here's a a question. Um, I have two mature pear trees that have never been trimmed. A pair of pear trees. Um, Can I A pair of pear trees, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Can I top them and trim them uh, uh, back in some sort of a major way? What should they do since they've never been trimmed? Well, first of all, if they're, if you have to get on a ladder to do trimming, I'd probably have a professional do it and let them talk you through the procedure, uh, get a, an experienced uh, certified arborist. If they're not that tall, you when you're doing a major pruning on fruit trees, you want to only take a quarter of the entire thing off at one time. So this may be over many years that you'll be able to bring that tree size back down again. Uh, so you have to kind of think of what the whole leaf load would be 
and then think you're only going to take a quarter of that off. So that may mean only one or two branches this year, a few branches next year, and then maybe the rest the following year. So you want to do it gradually. Anytime on a, on a uh, especially on fruit trees, when you do deep pruning like that, you do a lot of pruning, you're going to get a lot of water sprouts the next year, uh, just because there's a huge root growth, and they have all this energy in the roots that then they put up to the top, and so these will all be the branches that come, or the, the new branches, the new stems that come straight up, going straight up to the sun, and those you'd want to cut off right away as soon as you see those. Okay. Um, I am, I'm now, remember these are, I'm just passing the question along. I'm not doing any mm-hmm. of this. Um, I am <laughs> repotting a coastal redwood from a bonsai type soil. What type of soil should I use? I grow the uh, tree indoors, by the way. So what's your thoughts on that one, Teresa? I would say if they're, if they're trying to keep it still bonsai, I would probably use the same type of soil. Uh, redwoods can get fairly large, as you can imagine. So you'd want uh, not, a, not a really heavy soil if you're keeping the tree really small and if you're doing a, a bonsai on it. Um, otherwise, just regular potting soil should be just fine. And there again, you can use the root pruning method to keep it down to size so you don't have to keep increasing all the time. Okie dokie. Mary standing by and and Crystal with a question here at 651-461-9226. Mary, you're on with Teresa Rooney. Yes, good morning. I'm going to adapt something she said. If you need to go on a ladder, call a professional. I'm going to tell my elderly husband that. Anyway, (laughs) my, my question is, I have lots of shamrock plants, and they're kind of a utility plant. They just grow. My biggest complaint is they leave their little flowers all over. But I gave one of my plants to a friend, and it's about a year later. She says they have never bloomed. So what could have happened? Your your shamrocks are really happy, and they're one of my favorite plants. You you know you can have them as house plant. You can bring them out in the summer. They're just absolutely gorgeous. They're wonderful little plants. It could just be that hers might not be old enough. It might be in too big of a pot, or it might not be getting the right amount of nutrition and sunlight. So she may just want to compare where she sets hers up compared to yours, and the ratio of the plant size to the pot. And since it was only transplanted a year or so ago, I think you said, um, that, that's, that's, it just needs to get some roots under it, and then it will be able to flower. just needs to be happier. It will flower eventually, though. Okie dokie. Patience, I'm guessing. Patience is a key part of, uh, uh, of any sort of gardening, right? It is. It is, yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, Let's see. I have a good variety of evergreen trees growing on my property, including white pine, blue spruce, red pine. They produce lots of cones, but rarely does a new tree sprout. Why don't they reproduce? Uh, well, because they need the right the right environment to, to 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 grow, you're probably mowing a lot, or there's a deep pine mulch, or you've got your trees mulched. So the cones are just going to fall. The fl- the uh, squirrels are probably going to eat a lot of them. Uh, insects might eat might eat some of them, and the pine cones just decay. They don't get the right. Um, nutrients, the right water requirements, the right everything, the heat that they need to to redo, to, to grow again, to sprout. 
or you're just killing the seedlings in the grass without even knowing it. it. You would be surprised if you mow your lawn, if you don't mow your lawn, how quickly trees come up in there. But because you mow all the time, no trees ever come up. So that's why you're not going to see a plethora of pines. But if you look at a pine forest, obviously the pines are reproducing in the pine forest in their own ways. A plethora of pines. I like that. A plethora of pines. <laughs> And a dearth of dirt. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, <laughs> Teresa Rooney, my guest, we're talking smart gardens here at News Talk 830 WCCO. You're sharing your text questions. You're also calling in at 651-461-9226. Uh, speaking of pine cones, I had, had a friend who brought one of those massive pine cones from out in the uh, Lake Tahoe area, brought it back mm-hmm. to the uh, Twin Cities. Um, I don't know, going to use it as a decorative type thing. Dropped it on the sidewalk, and hundreds of spiders scattered in every direction. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're <laughs> supposed to do ahead of time, but oh, goody. <laughs> Thanks okay. for bringing the, thanks for bringing the spiders yeah, leave it outside home. for a little while. Don't don't bring it in the house first thing if it's if it's from nature. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's see here. We planted dwarf arborvitae in the on the north side of our house. Uh, it's a partly shady area. The arborvitaes keep dying. We follow watering guidelines. Could it be our soil? This has happened several seasons in a row. What else could we replace these with? Um, hmm, they, they should be getting enough sunlight there. I would maybe do a soil test at the university to see what's going on with the soil. Uh, that might help. Uh, it's usually more if they keep dying, the area is just not good for arborvitae then. Maybe the watering isn't, is, is too much, or maybe you're not watering late enough in the fall and they die in the spring from winter burn and then they just die that way. Um, I don't know if they're being eaten by, by critters. It, it's kind of hard to tell, but you may want to try something else like a yew. Uh, that, that could be a nice evergreen for you and something you could, you could prune to shape or even maybe a boxwood, you could try that. Uh, but if you keep planting the same plant in the same spot and it keeps dying, there's obviously a reason why that plant can't grow there, and you have to look at the soil texture. Is it a heavy clay? Is it light sand? Is it sitting on top of a boulder buried two inches further down from what you've done, and uh-huh. so there's really no soil there? Just kind of have to think of it, but I would maybe suggest a soil test and then try another plant. Teresa Rooney, my guest, we're doing some smart gardens here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Here's a question. Is it possible to bring back an inside two-foot lemon cypress plant. I think I overwatered it, and now it's dry and brittle. Should I cut the ends back? It was so beautiful. I think they should go back and rewind this show and listen to you uh, You talk about the parts where you wrecked things before. <laughs> no, what's, what's the story? What, what, what could they do? Um, so what I would do is take the pot out of the plant out of the pot look at the roots if the roots are all mushy and you don't have any roots left it's probably not revivable if you still can see some good roots in there then wash the soil off as much as you can um, rinse the pot really well 
clean the pot out, add fresh soil, just keep it damp enough, and, and then trim off dead. Dead is dead. It's never coming back again. So anything that's really dead, and you could just bend with your fingers, and if something snaps off, you know it's dead, or take your pruners and carefully cut back to where you see green. If there's still a root ball, it may sprout again from the root ball. You just never know. But check those roots, first of all, before you do all of the other stuff, because if they're all mushy and there's not much there, it's gone and it's going out to the compost bin and it's a learning thing. And I'm sorry. A perfect question next here for the uh, woman who authored Humane Critter Control uh, Garden Show. That's you today. We are planting a bunch of 18-inch red uh, Um Am I saying that right? Doozier yep. dogwoods? Mm-hmm. Are di- mm-hmm. The dogwood, okay. yep. Dogwoods, yes. This spring, do we need to fence each from the deer? Well, they will grow very nicely. They can take pruning, um, but yes, the deer would nibble on those. So you may want to at least protect them to protect them enough so they can get up, um, you know, 18, 20 inches, two feet, three feet, and then protect them up that high, maybe protect them up two feet next year for the deer. So the deer can only nibble a certain amount. Uh, you may want to do that. Otherwise, understand once they're once they're growing and they're happy, uh, dogwoods can actually be pruned to the ground and they'll come back just fine. So you could just, you know, maybe just put a shorter fence around them. But if you have a deer, a deer pressure, um, yeah, you're probably going to have to fence them off. Oh dear. Okay. Um, oh dear. Let's, oh dear. Let's, let's do this. I'll remind people you can text, uh, at six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six, or you can call in, uh, the same number, talk or text on that line for your questions. We've still got some more time here, and we've got a couple of open lines for uh, Smart Gardens with Teresa Rooney, uh, the certified master gardener um, who has made some mistakes along the way. So I'm going to preface this then. Having made mistakes in the past, there are no dumb questions, are there? That's correct. There are absolutely no dumb questions. Except the one you don't ask. Except the one you don't ask. Uh, The Mm -hmm. ones you don't ask are the ones that could cost you. We'll take this time out and be back with more here. News Talk 830 WCC. Getting some stuff green and growing or hoping to be doing that here before too long. Um, Teresa Rooney, my, my guest, she's the, the, she's the woman who knows on smart gardens here, uh, every Saturday at news talk, eight, three O W C C O Teresa. Here's a question. I have English Ivy. I don't know if it's a question or not was small in the planter several years ago. Now in about 10 inch pot and very long growths. This is what happens. They grow up, they move away. They are... <laughs> You hope so, anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. Is, is there? I, I, I'm not sure what the question is. That maybe they don't like the very long growths that I'm are thinking, a part of this. I'm thinking it's just looking kind of long and scraggly. So what you can do is cut it way back, and you can also then root the part, the cuttings that you've taken. So just make sure you remember what is the part closest if you if you take like a long tendril and you cut it into five sections and you want to root each section make sure sure you remember what end of each section is closest to the to the root because that's where the roots are going to form so just stick them in potting soil or rooting rooting um a medium like sand or something or water and let the roots come and then repot them and then you can have a fuller plant again yeah 
Margaret standing by in Shakopee with a question for you, Teresa. Margaret, what's your question for Teresa Rooney here on Smart Gardens? Yes, I have a hibiscus plant. It gets about five feet tall in the summer, and I have a problem with Japanese beetles attacking the flowers, and I would like to nurture monarch butterflies so we can get more, but how am I going to protect them from the Japanese beetles? Okay, so you want to protect the plant from the Japanese beetles. If you can move it to a different location, uh, maybe somewhere where there's taller plants around that the Japanese beetles will go for. Otherwise, you're just going to have to hand pick those Japanese beetles off um, every morning as soon as you as soon as you can get out there. Just hand pick all the Japanese beetles off, or for or you know in the early morning, and then just hopefully then the butterflies can come and enjoy. Um, the nectar of of the uh, the plant. Japanese beetles like to go to certain plants, and hundreds and hundreds of different varieties of plants, and they also tend to go to the top part of the plant first. So if you can grow it, if you can put the plant near something taller that maybe the beetles would be attracted to first, that might help you, or just move the location. But go out there first thing, you know, a week or two before you expect to see the beetles, and just start beetle watch, and just have your, your little bucket of soapy water there, or your plastic bag where you're going to toss them in and get rid of them um, the sooner you can get to that the better the the first beetles come in and their fragrance and the fragrance that they when they start eating the plant actually attracts other beetles so you want to get those first beetles that population smash it down as quickly as you possibly can good luck with Japanese beetles Good luck. Okay, we'll just let it go at that. Uh, speaking of deer, as we were earlier, uh, we have some broadleaf rhododendron that the deer have eaten every leaf. Any chance they may come back, Teresa? Uh, they're, they're probably going to come back if the deer haven't eaten the whole branches. Uh, so that so you should be careful. Next year, you can even just put up deer netting um, over, and then they can't over the the uh, rhododendron before into fall before the winter comes and they may take some of the some of the branches that poke through but most everything else would be protected then and could i circle back john to one question that we had earlier from jill yes okay jill had a paper bush that she had seen at the como park uh, conservatory and that paper bush is edgewardia chrysantha and it's a zone seven to nine bush so you can grow it in a pot bring it in in the winter okay so I'm not it, just sitting here drinking tea. I actually do some research, too. <laughs> I, I had no doubt that you did. Uh, Shannon standing by in a cell. Shannon, what's your question for Teresa Rooney? Hello. Uh, good morning, Teresa. I have two hydrangea plants in my backyard, and they um, are not producing blossoms. Now, it's been, you know, a few years now, two or three years. And I was just wondering if there's anything... Do you why, know which variety of could, Shannon? Do you know which variety of um, hydrangea they are? Um, are they endless no, summer? Uh, uh, one might be, and the other one is not. I know the other okay. one is not. Okay, so uh, if they're not producing, they might not be getting enough light. 
or enough fertilizer. So the endless summer especially needs a little more light than we used to think and a little more fertilizer. They're heavy feeders, so you need to make sure that you're fertilizing very well and give them a little more light. Um, so endless summer will bloom on old wood and new wood, so even if you prune, you'll still get some flowers that year. Um, the other plant, if it's something like some of the old, like the Nikos or whatever, they bloom on old on old wood, and if that old wood doesn't make it through the winter, then the buds die and you just get fresh growth, but you'll never see flowers. So you kind of have to know which hydrangea you're looking at. But for the most part, if they're not blooming, they're either they bloom either on new on old wood, that could be your problem that the old wood dies, or they're not getting enough sun and enough fertilizer, enough fertilizer. So you could try if you can limb up some trees, give them some more light, or give them a little more fertilizer. That might help. Good, Good stuff. Good luck with those, Shannon. Yes. Um, let's see here. Uh, Kay is standing by in Goodhue. Hi, Kay. What's your question for Teresa Rooney? Uh, actually, I don't have a question for her. I, I, I love her show. But my comment is, when you're in the middle of, of um, giving the answer, someone has called in and giving the answer to your question, then this advertisement comes in either on dog food or something like that. And oh, then I, I don't see. Get yes. That happens. That happens, Kay, sometimes when you're listening on the uh, on the uh, the stream. Really? So I apologize for that. Um, let me okay. try this question here. A plant question. I need to pot Hoya cuttings. Um, they've been in water for two years. Wow. Oh. So what's oh, the dear. plan? Oh, dear. Okay. I would get the very lightest soil you can. Um, water roots are totally different than regular soil roots. Water roots are used to just going against the water, which is a lot less pressure than the soil, so they're not going to be as strong. They're kind of wimpy, if, if you can understand the difference between soil and water and how easy it is to get through one versus the other. Um, so I would give them the lightest soil you can uh, and then keep them a little more damp than maybe you would do in the very beginning and hope for the best there. Or you may want to take a cutting off of one of the plants that you have growing, start that in water, and then as soon as you see those water roots on that new cutting, put that cutting into the, into the soil. So you may want to do that before, like maybe a month before you plant the big cuttings, if that makes any sense. So you're going to it take does. cuttings of your cuttings and start new ones so you have a backup just in case. The, the old ones don't make it. Especially if there's a sentimental connection, and I believe... Especially, yeah, if there's a sentimental connection. And after two years, there could be a lot of sentimental <laughs> connection, <laughs> even if it wasn't there before. Yeah. Yeah, here's one. Yeah, because she went on to say, he, she went on to say, uh, from my uh, grandma's plant, it's a treasure. Uh, here, oh, one quick yep. question then, here. Then there's lots, yeah. Oh, okay. My Christmas cactus used to be healthy, but now the leaves are limp and wrinkled. What did I do wrong? Uh, I would look at the watering situation. Again, pull the plant out of the pot and see what the roots are doing. It may have gotten overwatered or way underwatered. So you'll be able to tell that. Um, and then repot it in some fresh soil if it's, if it's waterlogged. Take off all the mushy roots, and hopefully you'll still have enough. Um, in the meantime, you may want to break off some of the little leaves that aren't as bad and then root those on as new as a new Christmas cactus, just in case your your original mother plant doesn't make it through. 
Okay. Um, let's see. One quick question here. Uh, living in southeast North Dakota, we have a serious deer problem um, having to do fencing every year. Is there a longer needle pine that deer just don't like to eat? I don't think so. <laughs> With the deer pressure you're having, they're just going to eat anything. There's nothing else for them to eat. They, they're just going to eat everything. Okay. <laughs> just Well... Sorry, what are you gonna do? simple, what are you gonna easy, do? no. Yes, yes, if it were easy, I would have written a book. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and believe me, I didn't. Teresa Rooney, who's, who's written uh, a book, particularly uh, Humane Critter Control. So uh, maybe you'll find some additional ideas in there. Denny Long will be back with you next week. Teresa, I uh, have so enjoyed this hour. Thank you so much for too, being here. I John. Thank you. I appreciate your being a part of it here. Smart Gardens, News Talk 830, WCCO on your Saturday morning. We'll get to the uh, uh, Linda's Construction. Luke uh, Vanek's going to join us. We're going to talk about Luke Panic. We're going to talk about decks coming up next. So stand by. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.